are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Uh, a strong lumberjack challenged a respected veteran lumberjack to a contest. The young man wanted to prove himself, believing that they could cut more trees in one day than the older man. The contest began early one morning, relying on his own strength and stamina. The young man began swinging his axe through, through one tree after another. As the day progressed, he was certain that he was winning because he could see the old man was taking several breaks. All the while, the young man just kept swinging his axe, falling one tree after another. At day's end, the young men stood confident by waiting for the official count from the other lumberjacks. To his shock and dismay, the older lumberjack had cut down at least a third more trees than the younger man. In frustration, the younger lumberjack conceded victory to the veteran competitor, but he wanted to know the man's secret. He wanted to know that he was, how he managed to beat his, him uh, considering his age and the number of breaks that he took throughout the day. The older man, wiser man, replied kindly, Son, what you don't understand is that every time I sat down for what you were calling a break, I was sharpening my axe. A well-sharpened axe makes for a lot less work, so trees fall faster. Abraham Lincoln is known for making a simple statement. Give me six hours to chop down trees and I will give the first four hours sharpening my axe. For many here, that is a total waste of time. But Lincoln was a skilled woodsman. Having cut down trees, chopping firewood, splitting rails to build fences in his youth, Lincoln knew great principles for people who would work in that trade. Number one, a dull axe would make for far more work. And number two, a dull axe can be more dangerous than a well-sharpened one. See, last week I shared on our faith how we can get to places where we become dull. Well, dull, I, I, but yet the zeal of the Lord can take us and turn around that complacency and bring us to that place where we totally are on fire for the Lord. See, as I've been fasting, one of the books that I've been reading uh, during this fast is um, uh, Jensen Franklin, um, Overcoming the Fasting Edge, or, or, or something along those lines, Recovering the Fasting Edge. And uh, that little uh, story I got from that book there, and what I found really, f- what I'm finding really fascinating about that is, is every single person, no matter who you are, can find yourself in your Christian walk becoming dull. But what do we do when we find ourselves getting in there? What do we find ourselves turning to? See, if every believer loses that edge in his, alert, uh, his life from time to time, trudging through our own work, trudging through our own strength, through our own daily routines, that can make us increasingly dull, ineffective, and perhaps even dangerous. Individual ministries, even entire churches can lose that edge. But yet you can regain the edge in your life in as much as the same way as you regain the edge on an axe by stopping what you're doing and carefully applying the right tools through prayer, fasting, and spending time in His presence. We live in a world of busyness, don't we? You know, before we get into the types of fasts, let me start out with a simple statement. See, fasting is 100% a choice. The Lord is not going to make you fast The Lord is not going to say your heaven experience depends on that. You know what? You can't go to heaven unless you spend time with me in fasting. The Lord is not going to love you any more than he loves you right now, whether you choose to fast or whether you don't choose to fast. But let me pose a question this morning. If Jesus could have done what what he was sent to do on this earth without fasting, and, uh, uh, and if the answer is yes, that he could have done it without fasting, then why did he bother fasting? See, if Jesus is our model, he needed to fast for 40 days before starting his ministry, then how important is it for us to be able to fast? See, I was reading the book of Matthew this week. And as I was reading the book of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 3, I found it really, really amazing, actually. Because in Matthew chapter 3, Jesus walks in that place where John the Baptist baptizes him. There's an audio voice for everybody to hear which says, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. See, as, as, as people, we would, 
run through that and that would launch our ministry. If all of a sudden an audio voice came screaming out right now, this is my son John, whom I'm well pleased. I want you guys to stand behind him and I want you to be able to give. Who wouldn't give? It'd be like, whoa, the Lord spoke audibly. I better heed his word. So, but Jesus, he didn't do that, did he? Jesus, after coming out of the water, after the Lord declaring and laying out that platform for him, he goes away for a 40-day wilderness encounter where he fasts and seeks the Lord and is tempted by the devil. He loses what we would consider momentum. We are the body. Fasting is something that the Lord is going to use to prepare us for what is coming. During our last fast, many people asked me why I never asked people to enter in for the entire 21 days. And my response is always, I will teach. It is the Lord who will ask. Will you take time from now until the 11th of January to seek his face and say, Lord, what would you have me do? What would you have for me and my family, God? My friends, fasting truly is a gift to the church. It's an opportunity to humble ourselves, seek his face. It's an opportunity in the midst of chaos and busyness to say, Lord, I come. Fasting is something that not a lot of Christians talk about or really even know about, yet it's such an effective tool in our arsenal to combat the enemy. Man, let's face it, we're Pentecostals. We love to eat, don't we? You want to you wanna have a successful Pentecostal ministry? Have a meal around it. You know, Alpha, it's planned out. Have a meal, then disciple. Our AGM, it's planned out. We want people to get here. We need a quorum for our AGM, which is coming up February 1st, to put it on your calendars. But February the 1st is coming up. It's going to be a Friday night this year. But not a lot of people like AGMs. Well, I don't really care about the business. I don't really care about that kind of stuff. So we have a meal because we need a quorum. Every time I fast, I find myself getting closer to the Lord and new doors open for me to quiet my spirit. And even when I become busy, when we fast, we truly are praying without ceasing for our spirit doesn't sleep. It is always in communication with the Lord. (laughs) Let me just ask a question. How many people in this room, there's there's a lot of people here, I, I don't even know who you are. There's a lot of new faces here. But yet, how many people in this room have, have spent a time or at least a day or something like that fasting before the Lord, not for a medical reason, but fasting because you want to get close to the Lord? Let me just see your hands if you've participated in that. You know what? Quite a few. I'd say over three quarters of the people here. Now, every single person, put your hands up again. If you had your hand up, put your hand back up. In that time of fasting, how many people just sensed a presen- the presence of God? God just touched you supernaturally. You know what? Almost everybody left their hand up. And see, what happens is sometimes in the middle of the fast, we don't get the resolve. We don't get the answer right now. But it's amazing to me how many blessings come. Man, you know what? I'm a blessed, blessed guy. Our church is a blessed church. And we can look back and say, God, like, do we de- look, at, look at us. We deserve this, but absolutely not. See, I believe that when we spend that time pressing into his presence, you know what, maybe January, it's a tough time. Maybe it's like, oh, the fast is happening and sometimes chaos happens in the middle of the fast. It's kind of like, Lord, just help me to stay the course. But when April comes and the flowers are starting to come out and Coal Lake is starting to green and we've long forgot the trouble of the fast, Jesus never forgets it. And it's like all of a sudden these blessings start to come that would not have come if we had not have spent that first fruits being able to seek his face. God is so awesome. So maybe in the middle of the fast you didn't see an answer, but you know what? God is faithful to be able to provide that what, what you've been fasting for and seeking his face for. See, one thing that I've learned over the last year is fasting truly is a heart issue. In fact, Isaiah 58, I'm going to read that for you starting in chapter 1. It says, shout with the voice of a triumph blast. Shout aloud. Don't be timid. Tell my people Israel of their sin. Yet they act so pious. They come to the temple every day and they seem delighted to learn about me. They act like a religious nation. They would never abandon the law of God. They ask me to take action on behalf, pretending that they want to be near me. We have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We have been very hard on ourselves and we don't even notice it. 
I tell you why I responded. It's because you are fasting to please yourself. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fast will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourself by going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like reeds bending in the wind. You dress up in burlap and cover yourselves with ashes. If this, what, if this is what you call fasting, do you really think that it pleases the Lord? See, God knows our hearts. When we press into his presence and say, God, I want what you want from my life, then God is like, you know what? You're aligning yourself with what I'm calling you to do. But if we go into fasting with ulterior motives, you know what? The whole church is fasting, so I feel like my arm's being twisted through peer pressure, so I'm going to fast just so next year when pastor asks, I don't have to leave my hand down. Absolutely not. You know what? Or, you know what? We just had Christmas, and I feel, you know, I just kind of put on 10 pounds, so I'm going to do that fast. I'm going to drop that weight quickly. Bada boom, I, I please the church and I, and I please myself. Absolutely not. It's about our hearts. God, what do you require of me? What do you require of us as a family, God? So why fast? Fasting is awesome. But if our hearts are not right, we're just going through the, uh, through the motions without having food. Zechariah 7.5 says, Ask all the people of the land and the priests, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh months for the past 70 years, was it really for me that you fasted? Do you know what fasting does? It removes the flesh from the throne. Too often we can be a selfish people, can't we? It's so hard living life, making decisions and not doing it without selfish motives. We all do it. Man, I do it. My wife and I, when we, we bought our first place, and we bought it in Edmonton. And then all of a sudden, this petition went around because they were looking, we lived in North Edmonton, and they were looking at putting a dump in North Edmonton, the city dump. And the people of the North all got up in arms. Why? Our property values. What's going to happen to our property values if all of a sudden they put a dump in our backyard? You know what? It's not great for eyesight, is it? Wake up in the morning, open up the curtains, and there's the tractors burying the trash. That's wonderful. But the people in the south and the west, they were saying, yeah, that's where we want it. Like, let's do it there. And there's this big fight, and there's petitions going around of where this dump should go. And truly, both sides were 100% selfish. I don't want a dump in my backyard. Do you want, if all of a sudden Coal Lake says, hey, we're going to put one right beside your house, do you want it there? Of course not. And the other people are like, yes, put it over there, because then I don't have to see it, and there's not a risk of it coming into my backyard. 1 Corinthians 10.7 says, Do not be idolaters as some of you were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat, drink, and got up in indulgence, in revelry. Philippians 3.19 says, Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is their shame. And their mind is set on earthly things. See, when you fast... Take that time to be able to cast the vision and set it before the Lord. You know why we do that? We cast that vision before the Lord because I find that in a fast it can be very difficult and easy sometimes to bow out, can it? You know, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of like, you get the ball on, on it's, it's the fourth down and you get the ball for inches to go and it's kind of like, you know what, I think I'll just stop right here. Have you ever done that fast? You've done an elongated fast, maybe a 21-day, a 40-day fast, or whatever you've done. And as you do that fast, it's just kind of like, okay, I got an hour left to eat to finish my 40 days or to finish my 21 days. Well, the truth of the matter is I'm not going to be praying. And and I've already done my praying. I've already read my Bible. I've already done all this kind of stuff. So what's an hour? And then all of a sudden we just stop right there. And God's like, you were so close to your breakthrough. How many times have you started fasting and all of a sudden the boss decides to bring in pizza to bless the employees? It's like, what is going on here? You know, I was talking to, to Ray Cowell, and, and, and I said that in the first service, that, that same thing. And Ray said to me, he says, you know, Lance, the first time I fasted, he says, one of the, one of the master corporals or whoever his boss was, one of, the, one of the guys decided to bring in sausage McMuffins for everybody. He goes, when did they ever bring in sausage McMuffins? I love sausage McMuffins. And it's like day one of my fast and they bring in sausage McMuffins. It's so easy to go, you know what, I'll just, uh, I'll eat that now and I'll start my fast again tomorrow. 
you're going to be tempted. You're going to see in that fast, you know what, can you make it? My wife and I, we started a little bit early this year, our, our fast. And as we started a little bit early, you know what, all of a sudden, the symptoms come, don't they? Man, I tell you, usually for me, day two is hard, but day two wasn't too bad for me this time. But day one, oh my goodness. Not only the hunger pains, but I had a headache like somebody was on the floor. I was laying on the floor just kicking my head as hard as I could. I'm like, I don't remember ever having a headache this bad in all my life. And then immediately the enemy starts to whisper in your ear, you're going to die. Oh my goodness. You know what? That's probably a brain tumor happening right now because you haven't been eaten. And all of a sudden you start to think this kind of stuff. It's like, I'm getting a brain tumor right now because I haven't eaten for 12 hours. Oh my Lord. Get me a Big Mac with extra pickles and extra sauce. Quick. (laughs) Fasting is a spiritual thing. The enemy doesn't want you and your family to be able to press through. He doesn't want the answers to be able to come. But again, fasting is a 100% choice. God, I choose to do what you want for me and my family. You know what? I understand that there's different medical problems, and I'm not saying everybody, you, again, you, you, you must fast for this long, you must do that. There's, there's different types of fast which we're going to look at. And you know what? Maybe there's people in this room who've got different medical conditions that stops them from allowing them to do that. And you know what? Walk in that place and seek the Lord. God, I want to fast. I want to participate. But God... Because of this, I have to eat, Lord. Lord, what do you have for me? Maybe it's the Daniel fast where it's just like, Lord, okay, I'm going to do a Daniel fast where I'm fasting, but all I'm eating is fruits, vegetables, and drinking water, God. But Lord, I know I want to partner in the Spirit. I want what you want from my life. Do you know that you are a child of God? Do you know that your Heavenly Father likes giving you good gifts? Do you know that He wants the best for you? I think in the midst, in many people's eyes, that God, you, you understand that God loves me. But not only that he loves you, he's absolutely crazy about you. As a dad, I understand the value of blessing my children. I love blessing my kids. You know what, I, I, went, I went through a, a bit of an eBay phase there not too long ago. And, and Lucas was totally into superheroes. So I went on this eBay binge, and, and I was looking for whatever superhero I could find him so he could play with his Batman. He had a little Batman, Batman toy. But how could he play Batman really? Like, seriously, how could he play Batman without having Robin? That's like having peanut butter and not jam. You know what? So I went online, I found him a Robin. But then really, how could he really play Batman and Robin without having some kind of a villain? So I found a four-pack with Penguin, Two-Face, Bane, and Joker. But then I thought, well, what happens if his little sister wants to play with him? She wouldn't want to be a Bane or Joker or one of these guys. So I went online, and I found her Catwoman and her motorcycle. (laughs) And then I thought, but what happens if Batman and Robin does such a good job together as that team that they end up putting Bane, Joker, Two-Face, and Catwoman all in prison at the same time? Then what are they going to do? So then I went online and I found Riddler, Sandman, Mr. Freeze. But now I was concerned because I had so many bad guys that there was no way Batman and Robin could keep up. So then I went and bought Superman, Iron Man, Hulk, Captain America, Thor, Spider-Man, Wolverine, Flash, and of course Green Lantern. I'm a dad! And every time the eBay package would come to the door, I'd be like, oh, Lucas, open that one. And would be like, oh, Dad, it's Flash. I'm like, yeah, do you know who Flash is? No. But let me tell you who Flash is. This guy is so fast that he's just like, you know, he runs faster than Superman. Superman and him had a race, and Flash won. Oh, my goodness, Dad. So then we start playing this, this epic adventure of how fla- fast Flash is. We start coming in with Batman. We start coming in with all the, the Joker and all this kind of stuff, and we start doing this. But you know what? After some time... Poor Iron Man lost his leg. I didn't even last three months. The gifts that I gave, I found them on eBay, and you know what? Yeah, they were pretty cheap. They were from China. They were not authentic superheroes. God gives better gifts. 
Can you just see dad in heaven just looking down and say, there's my son. Oh man, I just can't wait till he gets this. I just can't wait till he gets this. And all of a sudden, the eBay package shows at the door. It's just like, I'll just leave that. Just too tired to get off my couch and go up and answer the door. And God's like, I had that gift waiting for you. All you had to do is open up and receive it. I love my boy. But like I said, God says he's a much better giver. In fact, in Matthew 7, it says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The only one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you, if your sons ask for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? We need gifts in our life. Man, it's pretty cool when all of a sudden God blesses you. And says, you know what? It's not because we deserve it. It's just because he loves us. And the coolest thing that I always have to remind myself and people of is sometimes... It's easy to weep with those who weep, but it's harder to rejoice with those who rejoice. Let's say I've been praying, I've been fasting, I've been seeking the Lord and pressing in because I really need a new refrigerator and I can't afford a refrigerator. And all of a sudden I go over to Stephen's house and he's like, hey, someone just dropped off this new refrigerator for me and my family. It's kind of like, God, you got the wrong address, man. You know, how could you do that to Steve? You love me more than you love Steve. I'm the pastor, God. Like, isn't there a bit of a hierarchy here? (laughs) We need to rejoice and keep knocking and keep pressing in. Don't give up when it's fourth and inches. Let's look at the types of fasts. Number one is the Esther fast. Go, gather today all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day, and I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. The Esther fast is one of the most difficult fasts to do. You may think the 40-day fast is difficult. This is the most difficult fast because it's without food or water for three days. Water without three days is very, very tough. But they're fasting because they were in a crisis. If you know the story of Esther... The king was, was making deals with his number one guy there, and they were making laws to be able to kill all the Jews. So they stood in that place and said, No, Lord, this can't happen. And they fasted and they sought God, and it got to the place where Esther could have perished. Are you in trouble? Is the enemy hard after your kids, hard after your family, hard after your finances? We can see that there are signs of the times and we know that, that things are going to get worse before they get better. But as a saint of God, when trouble comes, we don't fall over and, 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 and huddle into a little ball. We don't have to, to panic and run and isolate. When trouble comes, we can stand in that place and say, you know what, I'm a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and no matter what is coming against me and my family, God is bigger. We need to know that deep within our spirit that God is bigger than anything that the enemy can throw at you. And when crisis comes your way, you know what? Again, human nature is to be that, that chicken little where it's like, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. Let's put it on Facebook. Let's, let's get a whole bunch of people. Let's talk about it. Let's get advice from a whole bunch of people that I, I, I need help in this situation. But when there's an impossible situation that you're facing, not a person can help you with that. Only God can. And when we fall on our knees and say, God, I'm declaring a fast for my family, and I'm seeking your face, and I'm pressing through for what you have, God will be glorified in your lives. Now, there's a common sentence that every single one of us has heard, and perhaps every single one of us has said at one time of our life or another. That is, I'm fighting a losing battle. That is a lie from the pit of hell. You are not fighting a losing battle. I read the end of the book. Guess what? We win. If God is for you, then who can be against you? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. No matter what comes against us, we can stand firm in the midst of the storm and say, God, may you be glorified 
Because God, you've got a way out every time. Give God a chance in the midst of crisis. Acts 9 says Paul fasted for three days, and when he was blind, people were trying to kill him. Yet the Lord revealed himself and set him free. Are you in crisis? Have you found yourself losing sleep or struggling with anxiety and worry? We don't need man's opinions. We don't need man's um, options. In times of crisis, we need God's reassurance. We need, to be, we need to be carriers of his peace. And I'm telling you, that will open up so many doors for ministry in the past, in the future. How many times have you wrestled and you struggled and you've gone through a time in your life where you're like, Lord, this is the darkest time of my life and I just hate what's happening right now. And all of a sudden, like three years later, God uses that as just a feather in your cap. Man, it's amazing to me. And that feather, you know, Paul boasts, in my weakness, he is strong. That is so awesome about God. You know what? There's different things in my life and different things in the past where if I had my way, there's no way that that would have happened to me and my family. But now I look back and I wouldn't exchange one moment for anything because God is so awesome and he's so faithful. The next one is the Daniel fast. It says, at that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat, no wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. See, a three-week fast is a series of three sevens, which is God's perfect number of completion. This fast is known as the Daniel fast, and it consists of no bread, no pasta, no meat, fruit, and vegetables, and water. An angel came after 21 days to Daniel, and he came to bring an understanding to the vision that Daniel received. God has a plan for every single person in this room. He has given you permission and destiny. It is there waiting for you and for your family to be able to step into. The 21-day fast is for clarity, direction, and for focus of vision. The vision that the Lord has put in you, the vision of the Lord uh, for your prodigal sons and daughters to be able to return home to the faith. God hasn't given you that to torment you, but God has given you that to deposit hope into your spirit that you know what, as, uh, as Jacob said, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. We do not serve or worship a dead God. He's alive and wanting relationship with us. He's wanting to show you things, speak into your spirits, but too often we dismiss that as, as pointless daydreaming. He has keys to your salvation. He has keys to your situation. And his desire is to release you into a whole new world, word, world of freedom. Habakkuk 2 says, wait for the vision, for it will surely come to pass. Fasting puts you in the best possible situation for a breakthrough. You know what one of the things I'm fasting for this, this year? is I'm fasting and praying for this healing center that we're talking about. And I would love as many people to join with me on that as possible. You see, we are a healing center church, and we've just been seeing breakthrough and, and, and freedom coming, but we're believing that God is going to be able to establish sort of a beacon of light in this community. See, one of the things that I just totally struggle with as that pastor is I've sat through so many hours of counseling situations where you're giving people wisdom and you're giving people the answers to a solution or, 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 or a question that they may have, but they choose not to walk in it because they believe that they can't. You can walk with somebody for two years and tell them how much the Lord loves them and they can sit there, listen to you, say, yeah, yeah, okay, but then they leave your office and nothing changes. Why? Because there's some serious things that have happened to different people. Man, there's people in this room that serious things have happened to. Things that we expect people to function as normal adults, but yet they had suffer such a rough childhood that they can never get free of that. And in the natural, they can never get free. But in the supernatural... God wants to take that, and we've just seen story after story where he takes somebody who is so locked in depression, so locked in, 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 in things that have happened that he cracks that open and allows his light to shine forth. And then when all of a sudden the Lord touches someone spirit to spirit, not soul to soul, but he touches their spirit, something changes, and they experience freedom for possibly the first time. That 
I believe, will be such an amazing thing for Cold Lake. That is what Pastor Hayward was talking about, about the, about the increase. You know what? I don't want to be a pastor that doesn't make a difference. I don't want to be a pastor who, you know what, pastor, you're a good speaker. Thanks very much. And then all of a sudden, years go on and I die. And it's like, man, that guy could preach. But all of a sudden, he's forgot about. I want to see people walk in a freedom and experience the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. I want to see people come into that understanding that God is bigger than their situations. I want to see God touch people in such a way that's kind of like, you know what, Lord? Your word says that you'll never leave me or forsake me, and God, I understand what you mean now because during those darkest times in my life, I see that you are walking with me hand in hand. That is change. That is people understanding who God is and walking in a complete freedom. Will you pray for the vision? Will you pray that God is able to set the captives free and help us to to sift through that and say, God, what do you have for us? Because God, we don't want to be just a church, but we want to be something that is effective. We want to be something that really is touching the lives of men and women. The next fast is the one-day fast. Leviticus 23, 27 says, Be careful to celebrate the Day of Atonement on the tenth day of that festival of trumpets. You must observe it as an official day for the Holy Assembly, a day to deny yourself and present special gifts to the Lord. Now, I know a lot of you are saying, a one-day fast, oh man, sign me up, that one's for me. But when you do this fast, what you're doing is you're doing a spiritual checkup. Lord, how's my life? Lord, do I love you more today than I did a month ago? God, am I getting that place of being dull? Or Father God, am I, am I being sharpened? Am I, am, I, am I fresh, Lord Jesus, even now? You know, some of you may remember uh, this person. Some of you may not remember this person that her and her husband came to the church uh, about a year ago when they moved to Peace River. But uh, you remember Melissa Earl? Some of you would. She's just the sweetest gal. Just love her and John Mark, and I just totally miss them. But I remember one time Melissa was talking to me and she says, you know what, Lance? She says, my mom and dad shared with me that they fasted for us every single week they took a day. I believe, if I remember right, it was Wednesdays. Every Wednesday they prayed and fasted for their children. Isn't that amazing? We want to lay a godly foundation for our kids. Then we can't allow life just to shepherd them. Life just to raise them and, and, and help them to grow. See, I've told you in the past that one of the things that we try to make a a part of our life is blessing our kids, and we have family blessing nights. Intentionally, after supper, we'll do a blessing. Uh, A few months ago, the Lord was just kind of really challenging me, and we did this for the first time last night. It was so fun. See, in the Old Testament, the Israelites would, would lay a bunch of rocks out, and they called it an Ebenezer. And they would lay an Ebenezer out and they would say, you know what, they, they, they would say that this is an Ebenezer, this is to symbolize what God did on whatever specific day. And then as the generations grew, the little kids would grow up and they'd be walking with Pappy or they'd be walking with Daddy and they would see those rocks and they'd say, Dad, Pappy, what are those rocks over there for? And, they, and then, then the, the dads would be able to sit down with them and say, listen, those rocks there symbolize when God did this for us. So I said, you know what? We are in such a blessing. We have such a blessing with, with having Effie and Hayward, our, our, uh, Cindy's mom and dad, the kids' grandparents living in our house. I said, let's build an Ebenezer. Let's, after supper tonight, let's sit down and let's have Effie and Hayward share stories of what God has done in their life. And after supper, the kids sat down and they they watched Nana and Papa as, Nana, as Papa shared how God challenged his heart to go into ministry. And Nana shared how through those difficult times, how God provided for their family. And the kids were just, they were eating out of the palm of their hands. Just at age four, uh, a liberty, just looking at Nana and Papa saying, wow. We need to be able to s- instruct our kids we need to be able to lay out Ebenezer's, to be able to share and fast and to pray for our families. The next fast is the battle fast. See, here we have a chapter where the Israelites were fighting the people of Benjamin. They sought the Lord asking who should go first and told them, and they went out and they were destroyed. They fell back, stood before the Lord, and asked again, Lord, should we go? And God says, yes, go. So they go out, and this time they lose 18,000 people for a total of 40,000 people were killed. 
what happened. They sought the Lord. They, the Lord said, yes, go. They go out, they're defeated, and they're killed. And they're kind of like, what's going on? You see, we have to remember that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities. Every single one of us in this room, we are in a battle. There is an enemy who the Bible says is, roaring like a, uh, is, uh, is roaming around like a roaring lion seeking whom he could devour. He hates you, he hates your family, and he wants nothing more than to destroy you. And if you think that that is not true, then you've got your head in the sand, and the Lord wants to take that ostrich and pop the head out and say, look around. And in order for this battle fast, they, they, they went twice and they sought the Lord, but yet they still failed. Why? One of the things we teach in the intercession classes is the importance. Intercession is standing in the gap before some, uh, on behalf of somebody else. Jesus, when he hung on the cross, he says, forgive them, Lord. He stood in the gap for mankind. Forgive them, Lord, for they know not what they do. We can stand in the gap for people and pray for people in circumstances and situations, but for that to happen, we have to make sure that there's no chinks in our armor. They went into the battle and they didn't fast. They didn't take it serious. And all of a sudden they fast and they seek the Lord and they're like, God, like we, they, 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 they pour ash on themselves, they tear their clothes, they repent, they seek the Lord, they fast, and God says, now go and I'll deliver them tomorrow. And they go and they win the battle. Are you in a battle? If there's a chink in your armor, the enemy has an opportunity to be able to get in there. But if you can stand firm, walking in that place where we don't allow bitterness, we don't allow judgments, we don't allow mistrust. You know what? I think, again, humanly speaking, every single one of us have the tendencies that when all of a sudden I get mad at Steve because he's got the fridge and I don't, that all of a sudden I can go to that place like, you know what, that Steve is pretty arrogant. I don't like Steve. And I can have this offense over Steve, and I can kind of walk, and every time Steve comes into church, I can go to the other side of the church, and I can do my own, my own little thing. And that's absolutely ridiculous. God is like, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. This conversation right now, there's a principality at work, and it might not even be in Steve's life. It might be in my life. Why am I holding uh, bitterness towards him? Why am I holding judgments towards him? Because I didn't get what I wanted. Oh, God, you're trying to show me that there's something in my heart that, God, you want me to repent of. Lord, I bless Stephen. God, in fact, the money that I've saved up for my new fridge, God, I don't have enough for a fridge yet, but I'm going to take that money and I'm going to buy Steve a brand new stove and I'm going to drop it off because I'm not going to allow anything in this, in this place to get between me and you, God. So, Lord, instead of me being a cursing, help me to be a blessing to my brother. God is awesome. We must remember again that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities. Um, the, the enemy is like a roaring lion seeking who can devour. There's a war happening for your life, your family, and your city. But take heart, for the Bible tells us that greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. The next one is fasting for the lost. 1 Kings 21 says, When Ahab heard these words, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, fasted, he lay in sackcloth, and went around meekly. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, the, the Tishbite. Have you noticed how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself, I will not bring this disaster on his day, but I will bring it on his house in the days of his sons. The Bible says that Ahab was an extremely wicked man. A prophet, in fact, says to him in verse 19, This is what the Lord says, Was it enough that you killed Naboth? Must you rob him too? Because you have done this, dogs will lick your blood at the very place where they lick the blood of Naboth. Whoa! Say the Lord brings that upon somebody. It's like, I am dead. I don't have a hope. The Lord says, and when the Lord says, he is, he is, his, the promises of the Lord are yes and amen. But Ahab, as a wicked man, tears his clothes and repents, and God holds back judgment. Ahab was so wicked. In fact, in verse 25, it shows us how wicked he was. It says, No one else so completely sold himself out to what was evil in the Lord's sight as Ahab did under the influence of his wife Jezebel. His His worst outrage was worshiping idols. That is so strong. No one else completely sold themselves out to what was evil in the Lord's sight. 
Yet when the prophet spoke to him, the Bible says that he tore his clothing, dressed in burlap, fasted, and God lifted his judgment. How many people in this room right now know somebody that they know right from wrong? They know who the Lord is. They know who God is. But yet they choose to walk in wickedness. They choose to walk away from the Lord because of a personal choice. How many people, let me see your hands. If you know somebody that, target them this fast. Say, Lord, you removed judgment from Ahab, God. You withheld it. And God, I ask by your name that you would withhold judgment from whoever that is that you put your hand up for in Jesus' name. Lord, bless them. Send ministering angels to be able to minister to them because I believe that our time is getting short, friends. If you had your hand up, just keep your hand up right now if you know somebody. Lord, every single person in this room with their hand up, Lord, that every hand represents a face this morning. And Lord Jesus, I pray for every single person, every single face, Lord Jesus, who knows what they're doing and they choose to walk in wickedness, Father God. Lord, may you touch them by your stripes. Lord, your word says in Psalms 40 that you lifted us out of the muck and mire, you placed our feet upon the rock, and you made our footsteps firm. And God, every single person, God, would you release ministering angels to them now. God, I break the spirit of wickedness. I break right now, Lord Jesus, the spirit that the the enemy has upon them, Lord Jesus. And I declare freedom in Christ's mighty name because, God, your word says that you came to set the captives free. So, Lord Jesus, every single person, God, we ask for the prodigals to return. We ask ask right now, Lord Jesus, by your name, that Lord Jesus, you would bring that spirit of freedom, that the chains would fall off, and they would walk in that place of heavenliness. In Christ's mighty name we ask it. Amen. We need to fast for health. Isaiah 58, 8 says, then your salvation will come like the dawn, and your wounds will quickly heal. Have you been given a bad report? Something happening in your family where it's just kind of like, man, you know what? We're in trouble. Fast. Don't believe the report of the doctor. You know what? Maybe you have symptoms. Maybe you have things. But greater is he that is in us. This is a healing center. And it's not just the church. We are the church. It's the well that God has placed over Cold Lake that he wants to redig and just let out. And I believe that that, as that well is retapped, that God is going to do some amazing things through healing. Cancer, AIDS, doesn't stand a chance. When someone comes up to me and says, I have cancer, there's nothing I can do about it. I may love that person to death, but I can't. I am unequipped to be able to heal them. But we have seen cancer leave bodies. We have seen people walk in freedom. We have seen God deliver people because God is in the business of healing. You know what? I love what the end of Isaiah 15, 26 says. It says, I am the Lord that heals thee. Again, guys, we don't worship a dead God. He's alive and he's well. And I love what's happening in Africa. I love what's happening in Sri Lanka. I love what's happening all over the world. But I want God to do amazing things here in Cold Lake, Alberta. And I believe it. Praise God. And the last fast is the 40-day fast. See, Abraham lost dominion by eating. Uh, Adam, sorry. Adam lost dominion by eating. Esau lost the birthright by eating. But then Jesus fasted for 40 days for dominion, authority, and to get back what was freely given to us. See, one of our goals here at Coley Community Church is to be an equipping center. For us as parents to learn principles to better equip your life and for your family. Isaiah 58, 12, again being the fasting chapter, says, You shall rise up the foundations of many generations. Parents, Ezra 58, 12 says, Then I proclaim a fast there at the river Ahava, that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek for him the right way for us and our little ones in all of our possessions. I see three reasons why we as a church must fast. God will show us as a church the right way to go, the right way to lead you and your family. As parents, we need to be able to teach and train up our little ones for our sustenance, our resources, and our finances. Number three, fasting raises a foundation for our little ones for generations because somebody was willing to pay the price. They laid it all out through prayer and fasting. 
today, would you be resolved in your spirit to say, I'm going to hold up my kids in prayer. I'm going to hold up my grandkids in prayer. And I will lay that foundation. It's not easy, guys. You know what? I said at the beginning there that different things come upon you, headaches or hunger pains or whatever. And it's kind of like, God, I just want to give up. Stay the course. Fight the fight. Seek the face of the Lord and say, God, what do you want from me? Do you want me to do a one-day fast? Do you want me to do a 21-day fast? Maybe you want me to do a 40-day fast. And whatever the Lord leads you, write that down and say, God, I'm committed to doing this, Lord. And then press in. Seek his face and don't waver. Because there's going to be opportunities for you to waver. You know what? This morning, if you're a dad in here and you have a child that's living at home, it doesn't matter the age, would you just stand to your feet? God, I pray for every single man who is standing at their feet right now in Jesus' name. Lord Jesus, our role as a father is to be able to raise up and train and disciple. But God, we get so busy with stuff that, Lord, we just really allow the world to train up our kids. And then we wonder, why are things going the way that they're going? God, would you lay a foundation of godliness? Would you help us, God, to take serious moments and pour into our kids? Serious moments to be able to love on them. Serious moments to be able to share with them how special they are. Would you help us to teach them the spiritual keys on how to pray, how to fast, how to get into the Word of God? Lord, it could become a lost art. And God, I believe that you're calling us, Father God, to be men of integrity, to be men of conviction. You're calling us, Lord Jesus, to be able to lay that foundation of godliness. God, we're going to mess up. We're going to fall short. We're going to discipline out of anger. We're going to say things, Lord Jesus, that we wish we hadn't said. But God, during those times, would you teach us about repentance. Would you show us, Lord Jesus, how to humble ourselves before our children and say, you know what? Dad blew it. And I need to ask your forgiveness. Would you help us to teach our kids about grace, about mercy, and about love? And God, maybe we're a dad in here whose kids are moved on and not in the house anymore. Maybe we've even come into salvation later on in life and we're just like, God... I blew my chance. Lord, your word says that you will restore the years that the locusts have stolen. And I ask, God, that you would accomplish that by your spirit. Because, God, you want to touch the lives of these prodigal sons and daughters, God. Now, I ask you if you're a mom, and to, to, with your husband especially, stand beside your husband, put your arm around him. If you're a mom and you have a child at home and your husband's not here right now, stand to your feet. Father God, I thank you for moms. Lord, there's a special place in heaven for moms. And God, I just ask God that as the nurturers, Father God, typically, Lord Jesus, spend the most time with our children, God, raising up our kids, loving on our kids, that God, you would give them a godly wisdom. Lord, your word says in James, he who lacks wisdom, let him ask. And God, we ask this morning for a godly wisdom to be able to come upon us, God, so we can be that Proverbs 31 wife. We can be that Proverbs 31 mom. We can come alongside and and bless our men and pray for our men and fill up our men. But God, we wouldn't be spent because God, so many times moms are so tired. They're running and running and running and doing and working and and, and just doing so many crazy things. But God, your word says that we can rest upon you and you will rise up with wings like eagles where we will uh, run and not grow weary, where we will walk and not faint. And I ask God for every single mom in this place, God, that you would fill them now with your spirit. You would fill them now, Lord Jesus. I just pray frustration. You have no place in this temple. God, we can get so frustrated with our kids. 
God, we just release that to you, God. Your word says in, in uh, 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your cares, all your anxieties upon us for you care for us. God, we give those to you now. God, we need you. We need a fresh touch. We need a fresh sense of your presence. And Lord, we need to see the gifts of the Holy Spirit working in our homes, God. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, long-suffering. Father God, we ask forgiveness for where we've fallen short. But Lord Jesus, we ask now that you would fill us up. Help us to become very intentional, Father God, to be blessings, Father God. Help us to be very intentional in being that man and that woman that you've created us to be. In Christ's mighty name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're late. Pastor wouldn't shut up this morning. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May you be so filled with his presence. My friends, as your pastor, I really, really challenge you. Get involved in the, in the prayer times that we have in these 21 days. Make it a priority. Get involved in the fasting and however the Lord would lead you as an individual. Declare it. Write it on your calendar. And mark that this is the year of Jubilee. In Christ's mighty name we ask it. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.